All right, this morning's message comes to us from Luke chapter 6. And Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So just a little bit of setup to set the stage for what is happening this morning. Jesus has just been up on, on a mountain with his 12 disciples. He's just named them as the 12 disciples, the apostles that would be sent out to teach after he was gone. And he's come down and there's a great crowd of other disciples, people who've been following him, listening to him, and learning from him. And then there's this great multitude. And this great multitude is, it's a, it's a really broad spectrum of types of people in that group. There are bystanders, there are gawkers, there are people who are curious Carls, skeptical Sallies, and tag-along Toms. And then there's this weird phrase, from Judea, from all Judea and Jerusalem. Which is strange because Jerusalem is a city in Judea. So why point that out specifically? Well, so far I've made it two for two services without having anybody from Dallas in the room. Is there anybody from Dallas? Oh, there. Okay, just close your eyes and your ears and don't listen to this. There are lots of people in Dallas who consider themselves Texas. Would you consider yourselves a Texan? Yeah, but nobody else in Texas does. No. <laughs> it's just different. Dallas is just different, right? And, and uh, I, I, I had served a church in San Antonio and we would talk about all of, all of Texans very, very proudly. And then there was also people from Dallas. So it's kind of a similar situation. You've got people from all Judea, even Jerusalem. Right? Jerusalem is the pinnacle of religious celebration for the Jews. That is the place. Right? That's where the teachers are. That's where you go to get fed. But what we have happening here are people from all Judea, even from Jerusalem, who are leaving the city of Jerusalem to go and hear this new teacher out in the wilderness. All Judea, even Dallas, had traveled out to hear Jesus. Sorry. And, and Jesus does this amazing thing. There is this huge crowd of people, great multitude, disciples, 12 disciples, all of them gathered there. And people just, the power and glory of God just radiates out of Jesus. And people are healed from all kinds of physical ailments, spiritual ailments, just this massive healing so that there are no stumbling blocks in any person's way to hear the message that Jesus is about to speak into their lives. No problems, no worries, no fears, no anxieties, just open ears. And Jesus kind of teaches about blessings in a backward kind of way, a way that we're not used to. 
right? Maybe some of you on social media, you've, you, you're familiar with the hashtag blessed. You, you've just climbed this amazing mountain and you're witnessing this spectacular sunset. Hashtag blessed. Go God. Or you, uh, you have a son or daughter who has just knocked it out of the park with school and they're going full ride scholarship to the school of their dreams. Hashtag blessed. Or you, you had the moment to walk your daughter down the aisle at her wedding and give her way to the man of your dreams. <laughs> Hashtag blessed. Right, but that's not the approach that Jesus takes with this at all. No, Jesus says if, if you're poor, if you're hungry, if you weep, if people beat you because of me, you are blessed. Well, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so we need to unpack that today. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. See, this is not about money or finance kind of poor. It's a spiritual poverty that Jesus is talking about. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. It's the condition of our souls that we approach God empty of ourselves so that he can fill us up with his grace. We are poor in spirit. We have nothing in our pockets to contribute towards our own salvation. We need an outside source to be saved. It's only the beggarly in spirit, the poor in spirit, no matter what wealth of money they have or do not have, that are blessed. So who is this poor in spirit? Those who have emptied themselves to be filled by God. Now, this is in contrast to the Pharisees and the scribes, especially those from, from Jerusalem, who have prided themselves in their religiosity. They are so pious. They keep God's word. And God is, in their minds, so incredibly proud and impressed with their obedience to those laws. They are so full of pride, so full of themselves, that God has no more room to pour any grace into whatsoever. What does poverty look like? We saw it last week in Peter's words when he was overwhelmed by the abundant grace of God that he fell at the knees of Jesus and he said, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Right? When we use our repentance to empty ourselves, we confess ourselves empty. Jesus comes to gather every single trace of sin and removes it as far as the east is from the west. He makes room in our hearts for God to pour his grace into it. Empty hearts he can fill. Hearts that are filled with pride, our own riches and claims, he cannot fill because we're filled already by ourselves. And so it's true of those who are poor in spirit. Yours is the kingdom of God. Note that it doesn't say yours someday, after you've suffered enough, will be the kingdom of God. Yours is the kingdom of God right here, right now. Those promises you cling to were given to you in your baptisms that we fed and nourished through word and sacrament. Yours is the kingdom of God now. You live in victory now. Keep that perspective. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Matthew in the Sermon of the Mount unpacks this a little bit more, and he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. See, we instinctively know that the world is not right, it's broken. And we're broken in it. We know that this is not how life is meant to be. And we hunger for the world to be put right. And this hunger grows the more and more we have the eyes to see the truth of our poverty and our need. And we see the brokenness that we're powerless to restore. 
If this happens when we know that, that no earthly government can pass the right laws to right our land. We know that no surgeon can cure every disease. We understand that no political party has all of the right answers. When we fully come to grips with the fact that our sin makes us enemies with God, that we are helpless to do anything at all to fix any of this mess, and we cry out to the Creator for restoration. Thy kingdom come. Come, Lord Jesus, put this world right. And blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. What causes me to weep? I spent some time thinking about that this week. People who have broken hearts cause me to weep. Seeing all of the division in our world. Seeing Christians act in anger and fear instead of love and grace. I weep for people who feel disconnected from the church. I weep because I'm powerless in all of these areas. I weep because I long for the world to be put right. I weep because I cannot put the world right on my own. And Matthew tells us that, that we can be comforted. Those who weep will be comforted because we know the end story. We know the end game here, that it lies in victory, not in death. That the enemy, sin, death, and the power of the devil has been defeated. Bless you who are weeping now because you shall laugh. This is the kind of laughter that is just joy that bubbles up from inside. Right? This is, it not only releases endorphins and makes us feel better, but in this case, it's because something has changed. And the thing that has changed is Jesus Christ's death and resurrection has changed the history of the world. It's changed the ending to our story. And it ends well. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. To be hated by people. Uh, I am a people pleaser. I like it when people like me. I don't like it when people don't like me. And I can think back in my life and there's many things that I've done that was wrong that caused people to be upset or angry or hate or exclude or bully me. But that's not what this is talking about. Because when I do something foolish that other people hate, that's a different thing entirely. What the, Jesus is talking about here is for those of you who on account of me, because of your witness, because of the life that you live, your faith out loud in the world, in your places of work, in your schools, in your homes, in your communities, because of that, if people hate you because you are mine, you will be blessed. I love how these blessings are described that are you poor in spirit? hungry for righteousness, weeping and mourning, hated, reviled, excluded, and spurned because of Jesus, then you are, right now, you are blessed. Yours is the kingdom of God. Your world will be put right. You will be satisfied to the point of overflowing abundance. You will laugh, bubbling up joy, laughter, and great is your reward right now, is your reward in heaven. And then Jesus does this gospel reversal kinds of things where there's a lot of paradoxical statements in what he says. First, he, he says, blessed are you, blessed are you. But recognizing that you are weeping, right? This isn't the, this isn't the very, very happy, sunny, smiley children's Bible story book of Jesus. 
This is the recognition that life is hard. And sometimes it feels like it's totally overwhelming and overbearing. I know you're weeping now. Remember, you are blessed. You are deeply satisfied. You can be Christian and love Jesus Christ and weep and still be blessed. Because your blessing and your joy isn't based on circumstance. That's happiness. When you're happy that circumstances are good. But you can be blessed in good circumstances and difficult circumstances. And find joy in all of them. Jesus says rejoice in that day. Right? Sometimes we can read that to say that when that day is the day that Jesus comes back. Rejoice in that day because that's the day when it all gets better. But Jesus is not saying that even though it's true. Jesus is saying, rejoice in that day, that day that you are ridiculed, that day that you are hurt, that day that you are injured on account of me. Rejoice in that day, in that moment, because in those circumstances, you are blessed. You are blessed because that is a sign that the, that the kingdom of God is about to reign in all of its fullness in your life. You are blessed right now. Jesus knew what it feels like to struggle and suffer, right? And, and he has this amazing ability to empathize with us when we do. He cares about that. He cares when you struggle, and he blesses you. He knows what it's like. So Jesus was hated. Jesus wept. Jesus knew hunger and thirst. So as Jesus is going out before his ministry, he starts it by going out and fasting in the wilderness, just in prayer with God, without food. He understood hunger pains, that gnawing feeling that I feel right now only intensified by 40. Like if we brought the Boy Scout pork roast in here and we'd all be like drooling without being able to eat it for 40 days, hunger. And he knew thirst. As he was dying on the cross, it was one of his last words, is I thirst. He understands that feeling of being parched, so incredibly dry. And Jesus wept. Right? As, as he's approaching Jerusalem for the last time, he looks out over the, the, the city, Jerusalem. Even Jerusalem, so full of its pride and prejudice and power and prestige. I love alliteration. That one just came to me. He's so full of themselves. And he looks down on them and he weeps. Because all he sees is a bunch of stupid sheep living like they have no shepherd. And his heart breaks. And of course, Jesus was hated. He was beaten to within an inch of his life. And that last inch was then finally taken on the cross. Where he died not just a physical death, but... But the weight of all of our sin-soaked souls on him. All of our spiritual poverty poured out onto him. See, God longs to give, create, nurture, build, encourage faith in our lives. And this faith that's in our lives, it calls us farther in our Christian walk. It asks more of us. Texts like this today can be difficult for an affluent crowd. Because what if you're not poor? What if you got all you need? What if you're laughing? What if life is great? 
Jesus says, woe to you. You don't get it. Jesus' blessings and grace came for the hurting. If you're rich enough to provide for yourself, to see your earthly treasures as earned by the sweat of your brow for the purposes of of whatever you desire, building up your personal kingdom, then Jesus says, woe to you. The riches of those rich consist of anything in which their souls trust in. With their souls, they find satisfaction, at least for the time being, so they don't trust in Christ. They don't rely on God for all of their provision. Rather, the poor in spirit are those who are penitent, contrite, confessing their sins. St. Luke's Lutheran Church is very affluent. But it's also very, very generous. Could we all be more generous? Sure. Could we do more in the community? I think so. Have we been given much? Absolutely. Is much expected from us? Certainly. Now, on one hand, on the hand of the law, that feels like a whole lot of pressure to get things done with all that God has blessed us with. But on the other hand, on the hand of the gospel, he has freed us up to joyfully, boldly, courageously, without fear, burst into our communities with his love and his grace. To live that Jesus adventure with full abandon. Faith calls us farther. Jesus says, woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now. It's a different kind of laughter than the laughter of joy. This is a mocking kind of laughter. Woe to you who laugh. For you shall be filled with mourning and weeping and gnashing of teeth. See, Jesus doesn't call us to make ourselves financially poor. He doesn't want us to give away all that we have. He wants us to hang on to it lightly to be generous with it, to use it to to recognize that all that what we have right now has been a gift from God. It still belongs to God. And he is just saying to you, St. Luke's, I want you to use this for my kingdom. I want you to build my kingdom. I want you to get out and do those strange things like loving your enemy, of serving one another and putting others first. I want you to respond in love and not anger. I want you to speak my message of the gospel to the hurting and the lost. See, Christians know that when we're poor, when we're weeping, when we're empty, that the kingdom of God is close at hand, is very, very near. There's another way in which this upside-down kingdom says that, that strength is weakness and weakness is strength. And that comes when you, when God pours out his blessings on you. And I want you to do some, some thinking and reflecting right now. Those, those moments and times that God used as major stepping stones in your faith life. And this is maybe more difficult when you're younger, maybe a little bit easier when you're older to be able to have more of a track record to look back on. But think about those moments when you're really kind of brought to the end of yourself, when you've really come to know who you are, when you've really come to meet Christ, when you when you've had to press close to him to receive comfort and security and safety. For me, it was through a lot of really ugly times in my life that God used to shape and form and mold my faith to harden it when it needed strength, to soften me 
when I needed compassion, through the difficult times. Right? The hardest times in my life have also been the times where God worked the most beautifully as a result of them. God doesn't bless us in spite of our difficulties. He blesses us because of our difficulties and out of those difficulties. It's a pretty familiar logic component that scripture teaches that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope that never disappoints. Right? There will be suffering in this world. There will be difficulties and hardships that we have to endure for the sake of Jesus Christ. But we are strengthened by God to persevere, to hang on, to not let go. And it's in those moments, during the difficult moments in life, that our true character is really revealed. Our true character is never revealed in the mountaintop glorious moments. Our true character, who we really are, is revealed when life is horrible. Who are you under pressure? The character that you have, maybe it's... Maybe it's something that, that, that you think is, is good but needs improvement. Maybe you, you think, boy, when I'm really pressed, I do not like the person I turn into. Well, if that's you, then this is time to, to prayerfully practice becoming someone different. Prayerfully practice a new characteristic that you want to see nurtured in your life and feed that. See every opportunity of stress as an opportunity to practice that new character, the character of Christ, and receive that blessing that comes in that. And as that character is revealed, it gives you hope. It gives us a hope in Christ that never disappoints. That we know, we know the end of our story is just really the beginning of a much better one that follows. To be able to look at those moments and know you are blessed. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we praise you for all the blessings you richly pour into our lives. We even pray for those blessings of the difficulties, of the struggling that causes us to weep, the places where we hunger, the places where we feel excluded, left out, or harmed. We praise you that in the midst of that, in the midst of those times, you bless us richly. You fill our cup to overflowing. You, you satisfy our every need. And you give us this sure and certain hope that we cling to that not only one day will this everlasting life be ours, but we find that now, today. We pray this all in Jesus' powerful and holy name. Amen.